Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, wife, mother, and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, or medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there is an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I am so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 102 of Lymphedema Podcast. For the entire month of April, I am diving into the topic of grief. If you are joining me for the first time today, I want you to know there was a great episode last week on the grief experienced by CLTs and really any medical provider in the lymphedema community. Today's episode will focus on the parent's perspective. I feel an insane amount of honor and privilege that I am able to work with Bryland's Feet Foundation and I get to walk parents through some of the hardest times in their child's lymphedema diagnosis. It's hard. I cry a lot and I feel a lot of big feelings about each and every family that I have the privilege to work with, but I know that what I feel is nothing compared to the parents. Marshall does such an incredible job breaking up the shame that comes with having a child with a chronic illness and provides such hope and insight for any parent who's struggling with their child's daily needs, differences, and challenges. Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Bryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular & Associates, Juzo Compression, and MediUSA. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website. So I am thinking of a Venn diagram and, you know, the patient is there in the middle, but um, I would like to talk about parents of children with lymphedema. So 90% of parents also expressed that they have experienced grief with their child's diagnosis. Um, and I don't know from that, uh, quick poll, if they were diagnosed at birth, if they were diagnosed as a teenager or, you know, between the ages of three and five, but at whatever range as a child, their kid was diagnosed with this disease that doesn't have a cure. So right away, I can understand how a patient can feel grief over that. But as we talked about earlier, I wonder for the parents who can't go to a cancer support group, you know, pediatric oncology, that's a whole department. Um, children's hospitals all across the world have patient navigators for kids with cancer, but they don't have the same thing for children with primary lymphedema. So how do parents who, this is a good point of like the disenfranchised grief, like you can't really put a label on it. What are you grieving? You know, you still have your child who's alive, um, and seemingly healthy. It's just a challenge. Like how do we support and help those parents? And I have such compassion for what it's like to be a parent. Um, that feels powerless to, to change uh, their child's pain. I think about my parents a lot, what it was like for them 
you know, to watch me and neither of my children have a chronic illness, but they, you know, have their own stories. And in the moments of, of watching this little person who knows you're meant to meet their needs and their primary need at the moment is less pain or less isolation. And you can't change that. Um, that, that is such a terrible feeling. And the, the number one thing I always want parents to hear is it will help no one for you to collapse into shame. You know, that that is not going to serve anyone. And a lot of times that unrecognized grief um, becomes a breeding ground for shame, believing that somehow I did something wrong. Was there a way that the pregnancy went? Is there anything that I should have done if I had found a doctor earlier? If I And there's this game that gets played um, where the only alternate versions of the timeline that is imagined are ones where they would have done something that would have made things better instead of seeing all the effort that they've put in. Um, and that, that I think is so just full of ache uh, and, and not deserved. So handle the shame also because shame is contagious. You know, that part of the unexpressed grief, if, if a parent's living in shame, that's going to seep into other members of the family, including the child who's ill. And so we really, as a gift to them, if, if you're a parent and you don't find enough motivation to do self-care and to address that for what you deserve, which is enough, do it for your kid. You know, that, that they don't have another burden, you know, to, to have to carry of them feeling responsible for their own parents' hurt. Because I promise you, kids know. Like they, they know when their parents are suffering, too. The other thing that parents don't get permission to do is how to talk about their experience with their child. So as your kids age, as, you know, as their developmental stages progress, Parents can insert more and more of their own story, their own emotional experiences as part of the connection and the relationship. So if you've got a four-year-old, you're not going to be telling them about your own grief, but by the time they're 14, you, you can, and they, it can become something that we can find healthy ways to have conversations about the differences in our grief and what it's like. And then one other thing that comes to mind is from that list that you read, um, the types of grief, uh, ambiguous loss is something that parents really struggle with because they don't know, should I be having hope? Is this a permanent loss that's for my child or is this something that could change? And so they don't know, like if I grieve, is that me giving up on, on a cure? or on a turn in the prognosis. And so that keeps them trapped in this state of grief that doesn't know how it has permission to proceed. I think what you just said about the ambiguous hope and grief is really spot on because I think a lot of parents, it's one thing to accept that they have lymphedema, but then to Maybe, maybe that's not even right. Like to understand like, okay, medically, this is what's wrong physically. This is how it presents. But then to accept 
like really dig deep and accept like, this is what they have. This is the terms of the condition. I think a lot of parents feel like they're giving up if they accept it. I think I've not ever considered it. And I think I've never even encouraged a parent like, Hey, like, once you just accept and kind of come to terms with this, you're not giving up, you're going to show up better and you can continue to chase after, you know, what could come as far as a cure or a treatment or whatever, because there are, there are new treatments. Uh, I mean, the CDT of manual lymph drainage, compression, skincare, and exercise, all of that is still the basic gold standard of therapy, but there are new things that are coming out all the time. There mm-hmm. are surgical interventions. There's earlier, um, imaging options, um, therapists and therapies and things are always coming out and people are looking for new ways, but I don't think that I just, I love what you just said that you're not yeah. giving up on your kid. If you can accept it, like you, you can actually show up better for them. And I think that that would give a lot of parents some relief. Oh, because grief and hope can live in different time zones. You know, not not perfectly, but grief is a lot about what's been lost, you know, in the past, like what 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 we wish could have happened. Sometimes it's, you know, projected into the future, but I can acknowledge the reality of what's been lost and feel the happiness of that and have concern for the impact in the future without sacrificing my belief that we can somehow do things to make make this world better for our kids. It doesn't mean that we are always going to have the power to change things medically, but we can impact community. We can we can support um, causes. We can be powerful advocates within the school system or within medical systems about how. Um, our, our children are accommodated for all of those things can still happen. And then you switch that part of you off when you get to go have a relational moment with your kid, because your child doesn't need for you to advocate to them. You know, they need for you just to be present. And, and sometimes that means they need to be held close. And sometimes that means they need to be empowered to go and explore and if we're having too much unacknowledged grief as parents, we're somehow getting in the way of that relational homeostasis of the children deciding when they need to be close and when they need to feel brave. Um, that, that becomes part of the rhythm that gets interrupted by you know, parental grief that isn't being honored. Anything else you think we should talk about for parents I mean, they would have to, they have to do a lot of homework on themselves. Um, but if there's anything that we can, is there anything we can leave with the parents as an actionable step after listening to this, I would even encourage them, like seek out some therapy if you're not in it. Um, I did the same thing in the medical trauma interview with Allison that I just said, you know, getting your child proactively in some type of communication with a therapist so that you're not going into it after they're in crisis or after something has come up, um, getting in, getting established and just kind of setting a baseline would be really helpful. And I, I would like to encourage the parents to do this, but do you have any other actionable steps for them that they could take? Yeah. I, I think in addition to 
making sure your children have that mental health support so that you're not feeling the burden of, of, of being the only observer and provider in their lives and doing that for yourself as well, because you've got some accumulating traumas. Uh, I, I think it's something similar to what I would recommend to professionals and, and therapists who are working uh, with, with these children is if you're struggling to figure out how to still have empathic connection and, and read your child's needs because your grief is clouding it. The most straightforward thing I know to do is to go back into your own body as a parent and remember a time you were sick or hurt or had surgery. Imagine um, what it was like, what it felt like, what you went through to be at the doctor. Um, and, and then Remember how people responded to you, who gave you what you needed and who, who, who said or did things that were accidentally or intentionally hurtful or marginalizing or micro or macro aggressions and be clear about that in your mind and then re-engage, you know, with, with your child um, that, that can help get through the fog is to connect it back to your own memory and then take that wisdom that you have from your own lived experience back into your children, not trying to use it as a substitute. They're, they're still their own person. Also give your kids permission to give you feedback about how it's going. You know, it's not going to dishonor you. It's not disrespect to invite, you know, from a humble point of view to invite, um, to give your kid permission to look at you and say, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, this is, this is what I need more or less of um, that, that, that way you're not suffering the burden of trying to guess all the time. Easier said than done, right? I, well, I'm, I can just imagining if my son was to give me some feedback right now, <laughs> <laughs> we've been together for about uh, two weeks, uh, almost just me and him because my husband's been working um, some out of town and some like night tournament basketball games. And so it's just been me and my almost two-year-old for like two weeks. And, uh, yeah, I feel like he could probably, I mean, he, obviously he's not verbalizing anything right now, but he could definitely give me some feedback and I don't know how well I'm going to welcome said feedback when he's like eight or 12. Yeah. It's but put like some painting in your house that just has giant word humility so that you have a touchstone to go back to. <laughs> hey, Marshall, my uh, toddler gave me my six-month parenting review today, and it's not looking good. Can you help I'm, on, I'm on a performance improvement plan. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about grief on the spectrum. Remember, if there's a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.